I feel like. The word says he will. And so I believe he will. God says he's a healer. Don't worry about what your body feels like this morning. You just say to your body, I got hope that no matter how I feel, that before I leave here today, I can be healed. With his stripes, I'm healed. Amen. I believe everything in the kingdom is based upon faith. Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. If you believe it, that God can do it, then you can receive it. And that's not trying to be, you know, some, some kind of uh, spiritual guru. That's just Bible. If you can believe it, you can receive it. Amen. God said he can fix it. He can. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. Amen. I believe God can do anything. I believe you can be in a, if you're, if Joseph was here today, Joseph would say, I believe you can be in a dungeon and be set second to the king by this time tomorrow if that's what God says. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You can go from the guttermost to the uttermost. You know, if you go far back enough into somebody's past, they'd be behind bars in a prison cell. But when you've seen them today, they'd be full of the Holy Ghost with their hands raised up. Victory in Jesus. Amen. God does those, those kind of things. So don't give up on him because he won't give up on you. Amen. Uh, I do want to say appreciate all of you that are visiting with us this morning. God bless you. Uh, thank you for those of you that have asked about uh, my Africa trip. Thank you for your prayers. We leave on Friday. And uh, I'll leave on Friday the 3rd and come back on Sunday the 11th. So uh, it'll take two days to get there, two days to get back. So I'll actually be on the ground four days. So. Uh, it'll be a joyous time, like Brother Corey says. It'll be heaven on earth when you get in that conference. You get, I don't know how many men's there. I've been some of those conferences have four or five hundred preachers in them. You get four or five hundred preachers praying together, man, glory's going to come down. Glory's going to fill the house. It'll be a glorious time, but man, is it, it, it's going to be a hard time. Uh, from everything to what you eat to sleeping. A lot of places I've been, I don't know where I'm going, what what the accommodations are going to be. A lot of places I've stayed, no air conditioners, sleeping under a mosquito net and sweating. And, and it ain't nothing easy about that. I told, uh, brother, me and Brother Brian was talking about Tanzania. He's working with the the uh, overseer of the Assemblies of God. And he said, I'm, I'm connected to the overseer of the Assemblies in Tanzania and he wants me to come over. So... He said, next year, if I can work up a trip, you know, through the AG, I want you to go with me because you experienced with Africa. He said, I, I want it to be just me and you. I can't take my Bible students with me because I don't know if they can handle Africa. I said, well, I said, you can take Bible students with you, but if they feel like that every mission trip is going to be like an Africa trip, they may never go on a mission trip again. <laughs> <laughs> It won't be easy. But uh, we preach Wednesday night on the perils of discipleship. God didn't promise it would be easy, did he? Just promised he'd be with us. Man, if you weren't here Wednesday night, didn't hear the message, just go back on Facebook and watch that thing. Not because I preached it, but I'm telling you, God stepped in this house and, uh, and there at the end of the message, go back and listen to what the Holy Ghost spoke and said. Man, powerful. Powerful, powerful. I felt like just putting a globe on my shoulders Wednesday night, just walking out of here with the whole world on my back. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. He said, lo, I'm with you always, even until the end. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Good to have our visitors again. Appreciate you for choosing to be with us this morning. Appreciate, uh, what was it again? Alex, Alex, yes, Alex, and uh, his, is it girlfriend, wife? Okay, 
Brooke. Good to have uh, Alex and Brooke, and good to have Eli in service with us today. And if I didn't get your name, then I hope to learn it. And uh, we want to welcome you. We want you to feel welcome. I want you to feel God. And uh, he's a God that can meet every need you have. And uh, will fulfill all of your need through Christ. So uh, you just get in, let, let the Lord help you today. I believe he'll work a miracle in your heart around this altar. We're going to allow our children to be dismissed this morning. Appreciate them. While they are, if you want to read with us in your Bible, we're going to read from Matthew chapter number 7. We'll read three verses, verses 21 through 23, actually four verses. seven uh, beginning with verse number 21 not everyone that saith unto me Lord Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven many will say to me in that day Lord Lord have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name have done many wonderful works then will I Profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I want to preach on the one place God will never be. The one place God will never be. You think about this in verse 23. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew, knew you. Depart from me ye that work iniquity. The air you breathe this morning is filled with the presence of God. The atmosphere you're standing in this morning is filled with God's mercy, God's grace. The Bible said that when the children of Israel went into battle, they sang a song, praise the Lord, his mercy endureth forever. This, there's nowhere you've ever been in the world where the mercy of God wasn't there. That's right. There's no time in your entire lifetime have you lived in a God-forsaken world. The glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, the Bible says. He's always been present at any given moment. Should you need him, you can call upon him. Oh, God, help me. Oh, Lord, be with me. We've all had close calls. Oh, Lord, be with me. There's never been a moment where there wasn't some kind of hope of his presence, of his mercy, of his grace. I've seen people on their deathbed call upon him and the grace of God come. Feel the room. I left my friend in Tuscaloosa on Tuesday and uh, has lived an entire lifetime of sin, but I told him, I said, the one thing I want to leave you with is the, is the presence of God. And I prayed until I felt him come. I sang amazing grace. Tears run down his face. The last words I heard him say when I walked out, he said, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. He died yesterday. I can only pray that he made it. I can only pray that he prayed and asked God to save him, forgive him, and, and, and to pardon him from an entire life of transgression. You think God can do that? I do. You think God will do that? He did it for the thief on the cross. But the Bible says there's one place where you can't have that. You'll never feel that. One place 
in all of existence where God says, I won't be there. That's what I want to preach on this morning. Father, we ask you that you'll speak to our heart through the word of God. Lord, though it be not a popular message or one that we desire to think on for any great length of time, it's not a pleasant thought to think about this place called hell. I ask you today, oh God, to let us ponder it. Let us meditate upon it. Let us to think on eternity, but more so on what it would be like, an eternity without God, an eternity with no hope to ever feel your presence, to be able to call upon your name with any significant hope that, that you would hear or that you would come to our aid or our rescue or our defense. Oh God, may it birth in us a desire that while there is hope, that while there is grace, that while there is mercy, that today is the day of salvation. And right here and right now, you will hear and you will come to us and you will answer and you will save and you will pardon and you will deliver and set free. As many as shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the promise of today. Help us to realize it, to reach, and to grasp that, and to obtain it for our very own. We ask it in Jesus' name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? amen. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. When I read that, it just leaped off the page, and I said, depart from me, depart from Christ. Where will you go to depart from him who fills the entire universe? Where could you ever go that when you get there, he won't already be there? In Matthew 7, again in verse 21 and 23, he said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And he said, Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? There's going to be preachers in hell. I remember when I first got born again, I read that and I even heard a preacher say that when there are going to be preachers in hell. I said, how? How? I thought the only people who could preach were people born again. But I've lived long enough now to know that's not the case. Anybody can preach. All you got to have to be a preacher is a sermon. But in order to have Christ, you got to be born again. He said, have we not prophesied, the word there for prophesied is preached in thy name, and in thy name have we not cast out devils, and in thy name have we not done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. The word knew there in the Greek is the Greek word gnosko, and it means an intimacy that is shared between a husband and a wife. Adam knew his wife, Eve. You, you understand what that's talking about, right? It's an intimacy that no two people share other than a husband and wife. It's not talking about an acquaintance. Do you know old so-and-so? Yeah, I know him. I met him one time. That ain't what the word means. It means to know someone very intimately. It means to share all of your heart's secrets. It means to share your life, to share your finances, to share your joy, to share your pain, to be one. So intimate that you're one together. And Christ said when he, when a man leaves his father and mother, he'll cleave unto his wife and these two shall be one. And Paul said, I speak this to you as a mystery of Christ and the church. When you're born again, you're made one with Christ. There's a union there. Very similar to that. The Bible speaks of, of a husband and wife. In Ephesians 1 and 
verses 22 and 23. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. God is a God that desires to fill everything that he has in his possession. If you're born again, he desires your entire life to be full of him. Your mind to be full, your heart to be full, and your life to be full. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. In Psalm 139, beginning at verse 7, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? The psalmist is saying, God, you're everywhere. Where can I possibly go and you not be there? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, hell being the grave, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect and in thy book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with thee. David said, I not only can I not go anywhere where you are not, uh, you have filled my thoughts. And he said, your thoughts uh, have been filled with me. And he said, if your thoughts toward me were to be numbered, they are more to be numbered than the sands of the sea. You are always on God's mind. I said, you are always on God's mind. Do you know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? He, God gave Christ so that you could be born again. You have always been on God's mind. And you are on God's mind currently, right now. And God said, in, on the flip side of that, if you're born again, he said, God should always be on your mind. God should always be on your mind. And Isaiah 6 and verse 1 in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings with twain, or with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Every scripture reference that I'm making reference to is simply saying that the whole earth is full of God. David said, if you dug a pit and cast me in it, be in the grave right there, God, I'd have to give an account to God in the grave or at the day of my death, God would meet me there. If I ascended up into the heavens, into the third heavens, I'd find that God is there. He fills the universe. He said, if I went to, if I had wings like a dove that could fly to a remote desert uh, island uh, all by myself, there God would be. Yes. And then the seraphims that fly above the throne said the whole earth is filled with the glory of God. David said, when I see the, the, the blue sky of the day and the starry sky of the nights, the heavens declare thy glory. Creation speaks to me of the existence and the glory of God. Revelations 20 and 13, the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell 
delivered up the dead. That's the grave delivered up the dead which were in them. They were judged to every man according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. That is the pit of hell, not the grave. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There would seem to be no place that anyone could go that God is ultimately not there, but there is one place, and it's the only place. He said, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me. That is, go somewhere that is away from me. Where I am not there. Where my presence is not there. Matthew 25 and 41 says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me. Ye cursed into everlasting fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. Again he tells those on the day of judgment that were not born again, depart from me. Go away from me. Go to the only place I have created where I am not there. Second Thessalonians 1 describes that place. Verses 7 through 9, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You understand what he is describing to be hell is those who will be punished with everlasting destruction away from the presence of the Lord and away from the glory of his power. You want to know one of the most agonizing, awful realities of hell this morning for everybody there is not just the high tolerance of pain. The man in Luke chapter uh, number 16, I believe, or 15, in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. It's not just the, 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 the pain factor, the tormenting pain of a fire that cannot be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched, a literal place of torment. That's not just it. Uh, but he said, I pray thee, let, Abe, or let Lazarus come and let him dip his finger in water and touch it to my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. He said, not so. Remember, in your lifetime, you were comforted and Lazarus was tormented. He said, besides, there's a great gulf. There's a huge, vast space between us that we which are here cannot come to where you are and those that are there cannot come to where we are. The Bible said where a tree falls is where it lies. Yeah. Heard one preacher say, I'll give you a million dollars if you can find a purgatory in the Bible, anywhere. Somebody told him, said, if I found it, you ain't got a million dollars. He said, don't have to have a million dollars. He said, I can get up a million dollars before you can find purgatory in the Bible, so I'm safe. I would have to agree. I wish for your sake, if you're not born again, that if you went to hell, that we could all gather under, under in a prayer vigil, by candlelight or daylight. I wish we could gather and pray long enough to pray you out of that place. But Abraham says it can't happen. Meaning God ain't there. If God was there, then people would get saved there. Because you know what? God is a savior. If God were in hell, 
that people would be saved from hell while they're in hell because wherever he is, you can't change God. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's why as long as men are in the earth, there's hope for them to be saved because God has filled this earth with his glory and God is a savior. As long as men are on this earth, God will heal their sick body because the whole earth is filled with God and God is a healer. As long as the church is, he'll baptize men and women in the power of the Holy Ghost and they'll speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance because God has filled this earth and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I believe it all. I believe the whole gospel that as long as God is, I can believe it all and that God will fulfill it in my life. But the Bible said there is a place where men are destroyed away from the presence of the Lord and away from the glory of his power. From the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, there is a place void of his presence, uh, void of his glory, and void of his power, and that place is the lake of fire. The bottomless pit, uh, we call it hell. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to talk about it. Uh, but the world uh, laughs it off. The world mocks it. Uh, to the world, it's only a byword and a curse word. Somebody gets mad at somebody else uh, and they tell them, why don't you just go? I ain't going to say it. You know what I'm talking about. Every time I ever hear somebody say that, I cringe. Thought to myself, you're a foolish man to make such a foolish statement. Brother Tim Cawley said years ago, there was a man there in Moss Point. He said they're in and out of church a lot, but never faithful. He said his son graduated high school and on graduation night, he wanted to go out with a group of friends and they were going to party. His dad forbid it. And he said, Dad, I've lived by your rules my whole life. And Dad, I'm graduated now and I am going with them. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And they got in a big fight. And the son, when it was all said and done, said, you're not stopping me. I am going. And the dad said to his son, if that's what you want to do, then do it. Just go to hell then if that's what you want to do. And that night they all went out and got drunk. And that night whoever was driving veered off the road and every one of them got killed. Brother Tim said we had that funeral in my church. And he said that dad laid over that casket. And he said you could have heard him ten blocks away. I didn't mean it son. I didn't mean it. I didn't want you to go there. I'm so sorry, son. I should have never said those words. Brother Rocky Cawley told the story while preaching on a Sunday night, just a normal Sunday night. His country church out on the back roads of Mississippi Three boys drove in on Sunday night and they made their way in and he greeted them like he greets everybody and they sat down on the back row. And he said, that particular night, God led me to preach on hell. He said, you don't preach on hell on a Sunday night. That's when, you know, your home folk are going to be there. You're preaching to the choir. You will preach on heaven or the Holy Ghost on a Sunday night. He said, but I preached on hell. He said those boys laughed and joked and snickered and rude and disrespectful and mocking me the whole time. He said, I, I preached over the top of it. I gave the altar call. He said, they didn't come. They laughed and snickered and mocked during the whole altar call. When service was over, he said, I went to the back and I was shaking people's hands. He said, I told all three of those young men, Thank you for coming. I hope you'll come back. And he said, one of the boys, he said, Preacher, I got a question for you. 
you preached about hell. He said, do you know what hell is? He said, well, some believe it's in the heart of the earth. He said, I don't, I don't really know exactly where hell is. I just know that there is a hell, and I'm not going there. And he said, well, if you don't know exactly where hell is, can you tell, tell me exactly how long it would take me to get there if I wanted to go? He said, no, sir, I can't. He said, but I can assure you nobody in their right mind wants to go to hell. And he said, well, if you don't know exactly where it is and if you can't tell me exactly how long it'll take for me to get there, then maybe there ain't one at all. And he said they laughed and got in the pickup truck, got in the truck and went down. He said few, about two miles down the road, there's a real sharp turn, those yellow signs telling me it's a sharp turn. He said, don't know what happened. Nobody knows what happened. They went through that curve, straight through that curve, off that pavement, and just smashed a tree head on, killed all three of them boys instantly. Killed them off. He said, the next Sunday morning with tears running down my face, I told my congregation what happened after church and what that boy said to me and what he asked me and he said, I never knew how far it was to hell until last Sunday night when I heard those three boys die. He said, hell is two miles down the road in a sharp curve. That's how far away it is. We can all understand, imagine the torments of the flames of hell. Most of us have been burned in some form or fashion throughout the course of our lifetime. We felt the sting of an open flame. We can very well relate to the danger of its heat. I remember as a little, little boy, things that you never forget. My dad had an old gray station wagon. It was ugly as ugly could be. He drove it to work, had one of them cigarette lighters in there. Mom or dad never smoked, so he never had need for those things. He'd punch it in. When it got hot, it'd pop back out. I'm sitting up in the front. I don't know what that thing is, but I, I mashed it. A few minutes later, pop, it popped back out. Somehow or another, I figured out enough to pull that thing out. And I looked at it and that little metal coil in there was glowing red. Know what I'm talking about? You know exactly what I did, don't you? Glowing red, boy, that's pretty. <laughs> I, had a, I had a white ring around my finger. Brother Joey said, yep, I had one of them. <laughs> my, my dad come back out, man, I was, I was in pain, crying, holding my finger up. He's like, what'd you do that for? <laughs> well, an adult knows. Don't do that. And for the rest of my life, I knew, don't do that. <laughs> we understand what the torment of the flame would feel like, but one thing you can't understand your mind can't wrap around it. Is you can't relate to be anywhere that is totally void of God's presence. You haven't been in the worst hell of your life where God wasn't there with you. You could be in an insane asylum. In this book right here. There's a hymn entitled, The Love of God. That's the title of the hymn. It'll tell you in each corner, it'll tell you in one corner who wrote it, and in the other corner who published it. Sometimes there'll be a little asterisk there and it'll give you a 
a little small, tiny, brief summary, and in this hymnal it does. The man who wrote the song, The Love of God, was in an insane asylum. And at his death, they went into his cell, and with a bar of soap, he had scrubbed out the words to the song, The Love of God. God, some way, somehow, met him in that cell. And expressed to him his love for him. And he wrote a song in the insane asylum. And it's in that hymn book, The Love of God. You, the, the worst hell you can imagine in your mind, God was there with you. I don't care if it was a spouse being unfaithful. I don't care if it was a, a, a step-parent beating you or abusing you. I, I, I don't care if it was in a Muslim country and they were shooting bullets at you, which has happened to me. God was with me while the bullets were flying. I don't care if it was a hungry, swollen belly and none of us in America have ever known what the malnutrition to the point of starvation ever is. If you didn't have a dime, there's a soup kitchen somewhere today that's serving somebody food. But I went to Afghan and those children are naked, no clothes, and belly swollen out, flies all over, over their face. And I wept and told Brother Hanks, I know that we're only going to make a difference for this day, that tomorrow they're going to be hungry all over again. I know it, but I can't leave them without feeding. I want them to know that today, on this calendar day, that Christ came to them because he heard their cry. Yeah. He seen their hunger and he heard their cry. I want them to know there's a God and that he sent me to try to feed them. I don't care what kind of hell you've been through. In this life, God has been there. Right. On your worst day, God was there. In the worst month you've ever experienced, God was there. In the worst year you've ever had, God, you could look back in your prayer journal. You, you could mark a day here or there throughout the year where God came through. You could say, oh, thank God. Thank God. It kept you from losing your mind. It kept you from going broke financially. It kept you from dying physically. It kept you from having a nervous breakdown. Amen. We can't relate of being somewhere or anywhere at any time of a place totally void of his presence, void of his glory, void of his power, void of his goodness, his grace, and his mercy. James 1 and 7, every good and every perfect gift is from above that cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. James tells us that everything good in this earth was a gift from God. Amen. Everything good in the earth is God's gift to you. The Bible said that God gave us the gift of being able to enjoy all things. There's something in your life that you enjoy. Enjoyment was God's gift to you. The Bible said when a man finds a wife, he found a good thing. That was God's good gift to you. That you didn't have to be alone. The Bible said... Children are heritage from the Lord. And happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. That child or grandchild that makes you smile. That's God's gift to you. Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Have you ever thought about the good things 
that God has given us to enjoy. Even the reprobate, the vile, the heathen, the sinner, and the unsaved, God has allowed Joe Biden to enjoy his life. God has allowed Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Jerry Nadler. I could go on and keep naming people that I believe to be demon-possessed, and they have enjoyed the benefits of being alive. Matthew 5, verses 44 and 45, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Well, the Lord bless me. You ever heard of person that's never darkened the door of a church, never paid a penny of tithe, never lived for God a day in their life. Well, the Lord has been good to me and the Lord has blessed me. Somebody said, well, they're, they're, they're living under a curse. And the Bible said that we are cursed. Our finances are if we don't tithe. But I know rich people that don't pay a penny. They got more money than I'll ever dream about having. Can buy or have anything their eye sees that they want. They can just go buy it and get it. They ain't never paid it. A dime a tie. I've heard some of them say, well, God's just always been good to me. He's just always blessed me. They weren't lying to you. God has been good to them. God has blessed them. With every good thing they were able to enjoy, enjoy in life, God blessed them. Do you know that when that life is over, they will be totally, completely bankrupt? Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. One thing money can't buy is your way out of hell. Amen. One thing money can't buy is favor with God. You can have all the money in the world. If a man gains the whole world and loses his soul, he was a fool. Every human being, the creation of God, born of a woman, was born into a world that's full of God's glory and power and presence. Every human being in some form has experienced God's goodness. Have you, has your heart ever known love? Love is a good thing because God is love. God is the originator of love. And God gave man the capacity in his heart to love even if he chose to love evil. The love of a mother or father, the love of a friend, the love of a spouse, the love of a child or grandchild. The structure and support and encouragement that comes from belonging to a family. All these are good things that are given to the just and to the unjust. The pleasure of eating a satisfying meal. The pleasure of sight, sound, smell, taste, touch. All good things given to the just and the unjust. The pleasure of simply having a good day. A smile on your face, the gift of laughter, the gift of life itself, the gift of time, the gift of conviction, the gift of mercy and grace and salvation. There's not a place anywhere you can go that God has created that he is not filled with his infinite glory and power except. That rich man called Lazarus said, or, or the rich man asked Abraham to send Lazarus. He said, I've got five brothers. Lest they also come to this place of torment. He said, they've got Moses and the prophets. Moses and the prophets weren't alive when that was being told. What he was saying they have the word of God. Yeah. Amen. And if they won't hear the word of God, 
They won't hear Lazarus if he comes back from the dead and tries to preach to them. Preached a message years ago, what will it take for you to seek God? If they won't hear Moses and the prophets, if they won't hear the gospel, he can't be saved. If she won't hear the gospel, she can't be saved. You can enjoy your stuff. You can have a wife, you can have children, you can have good grandparents, you can have a lot of money, you can have houses, cars, land, you can enjoy everything that God gave you to enjoy, but if you don't hear the gospel, you can't be saved. What will it take to make somebody seek God? I used to think uh, that hard times. Oh, we got a president in office that wrecked the economy that caused America to turn and repent. That's wrong. That's right. Five dollar gas won't make a sinner get saved. They've been paying five dollars for a pack of cigarettes for a long time. Smoke them one after another. If you double the price of dope or whiskey, they would buy it or die. With not a second thought about it. They're going to pay whatever price necessary to have it. Because those are the things they seek after. Those are the things they think brings them joy or pleasure in this life. Those are the things they've chosen to love. Those, no matter how hard it gets, I found out it won't make a person seek God. I thought, you know, if somebody loses a loved one. And it devastates their heart. That would cause them to repent and to seek God. I found that out to be wrong. I've seen people lay over the casket. Oh, daddy. Oh, mama. I don't know what I'm going to do without you. I know you prayed for me. I know you raised me better than what I'm living. I promise you, you're going to see me again in heaven. They've never darkened the door of a church. They're not thinking about God today. If Christ come right now, they'd be left. A loved one dying ain't going to save you. I've seen people get diagnosed with cancer, a terminal illness. I think, oh boy, God put them flat of their back in the hospital Make them realize how frail and fragile life is. They'll pray then. Only to hear them say, I ain't never prayed and I ain't going to be a hypocrite and pray now just because I need him. Somehow their heart is too hard to pray. Brother Clendenin said, this is the law of nature. So if you put a patch over your eye and leave it on there too long and don't use your eye, the law of nature says you'll go blind in that eye and you won't be able to see out of it anymore. Am I right? The law of nature says uh, if you tie this on down to my side and don't ever let me use it again, those muscles will atrophy. And you untie that arm, the day will have come that if I didn't use that arm, I'll lose the ability to ever use it again. Brother Clinton said, what works in the natural also works in the supernatural. That if you choose to live your whole life knowing you need to pray but you won't ever pray, there'll come a time you'll want to pray but you can't. You can't make yourself pray. You'll know you need to pray, but you just won't pray. Something in your flesh repels it and rebels uh, against it. The only power, the only remedy that can break the curse uh, the bondage and the hold that sin has upon the human life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. To a Democrat, it's foolishness. To most Republicans, it's foolishness. 
to the atheist and the agnostic, it's foolishness to the Muslim. To the Hindu, it's foolishness. But Paul said unto us that believe, it is the power of God unto salvation. This word of God has the power to translate you from darkness into God's marvelous light. This word of God has the power, if you believe it, to, to make you from being terminally ill and sick to being well. This, this gospel has the ability that if, you're in, that if you're in a prison cell doing life without, uh, you can sing the song, I can still go free. God said there's a place where I'm going to send those who never bowed the knee who've never confessed me as Savior, who've never been born again, I'm going to say to them, depart from me. The place of the everlasting destruction away from the presence of God and away from the glory of his power, God said, I'm not going to be there. The rich man testified to us in the book of Luke, God ain't here. Send Lazarus. Help me. God ain't here. He's praying to Abraham. Father Abraham, I pray thee. Why are you praying to Abraham? Abraham's not God. I'll tell you why he's praying to Abraham. Because he's prayed to God a million times. And God ain't there. I know nobody wants to come to a prayer meeting today. I can tell you there's more prayer meetings going on in hell right now than what the earth's ever known anything about. But it's too late. You're going to pray one day if you don't pray here. But it'll be too late. There's a place where there is no mercy. There's a place or even if you did pray, it wouldn't do you no good. There's a place where there ain't no help. There's a place where the, you got no hope of the pain ever going away. Where'd Brother Rocky pass traps Rocky Creek? Maynard Creek. Maynard Creek, Assembly of God. Man, if I could, if time was like a, 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 project, a projector reel and I could roll that reel backwards and rock a caller who's in heaven today, we could run that reel back all the way back to a Sunday night and three boys put that truck in reverse and be planted on that back row again and rock a caller preach on hell. You know what them three boys would do, Brother Bob? And run. To that altar. They'd never ask a foolish question. Preacher, how far is hell? They'd scream to that whole congregation, hell is two miles down the road waiting on you in a sharp curve. They'd say, for behold I have given unto you time and space to repent this is the day of your salvation when this day of grace draws to an end, time and space will be no more. Opportunities will have passed and will be forever gone. Only those who had known my saving grace through the knowledge of my Son will be in my presence. 
For I am the Lord and I have ordained this to be so. In that day many will profess to me things they did, places they went. Of the things that they saw, of how they spent their time and their money. But my answer will be to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Into the one place where you will never be bothered by my presence again. In the one place you will never feel the convicting power of my spirit dealing with your heart, urging you to pray, urging you to repent and turn from your sin and from your own evil ways, urging you while there was yet time and space and opportunity to surrender your life to me and live your life for me. I will not be there. But today, I'm here. Today, my gospel has been preached into your hearing. Today, my spirit yearns for you to surrender your heart today. I have drawn near to you with mercy and grace and salvation. Turn me not away for eternity is closer than you think. Save me. here today and you need to be born again. If you're not saved and you want to be, do the most daring, courageous thing you've ever done in your life. Step out from where you're sitting. Make your way hurriedly to this altar. God Almighty will meet you. He'll save you. It'll be the greatest day of your life be the smartest choice and decision you ever made. If you've got a loved one, you know they're not born again, they're lost. If the rapture took place today, they'd, they wouldn't make it. They, the next one to run through a sharp curve can't make the turn. But you would fear where they would wake up. If I were you, I'd come to this altar. I'd plead with God like there is no tomorrow. God, don't let my baby be lost. Don't let my son mock. Don't let my daughter mock or spurn the gospel. Don't let my grandchild wait too late. Oh God, help me to live a life, an example before them that today is the day of salvation. I thank you, Lord, for every good and every perfect gift. I thank you, Lord, for every day in my life that I've been made to know that you weren't near, that there wasn't hope, that there wasn't grace or mercy, that if I needed you, you would be there for me. God, let there never come a day where I lift up my eyes and hell being in torment. God, let there never come a day that I would wish that I could rewind the hands of time and do it all over make the most of my time and opportunity this morning. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready. I'm ready to be saved right now. Save me this morning. If you'll ask him that, he'll do it. If you'll pray that prayer and believe him to be your Savior, he'll birth you anew by his Spirit. He'll leave his house born again with your name written in the book of life being made a partaker of God's divine nature, you'll never be the same again. Ask Him. Ask Him right now, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Deliver me from the bondage of iniquity and sin. Oh, God, give me your heart. Give me your mind. Give me your joy. Give me your peace in exchange for my misery, in exchange for guilt and shame and condemnation. 
Oh, give me liberty to serve you. Liberty to praise you. Liberty to bow my knee in prayer and feel your presence. Touch us around this altar this morning, Lord.